0: Uh, good morning, McDowell. It is uh, so good to be with you even virtually today. And uh, as always, we have a question for you today. We'd love for you to answer on, on the side of your screen. But on a summer road trip, okay, because nobody's flying right now, but on a summer road trip, if you just drove around the valley, somebody asked earlier, how many hours? What would you be coming what would be coming through your speakers? Would it be a radio? Just, hey, let's random, or maybe sports talk radio. Would it be a mixtape, or Spotify playlist? Anything by, uh, like, a favorite band? If so, list that band. A podcast or book on tape? Or five, uh, the sound of silence. And uh, as a parent, I can tell you there are times that I just want to take a road trip with the sound of silence in this season. Um, but, man, it, it's so good to... Uh, to think about music and road trips and some normalcy. And I hope that this weekend was a great weekend for you. As you're answering, a couple of announcements. Um, number one, we, we still have some camps planned for this summer. We're, um, we're looking forward to our middle school and high school camp. Uh, middle school camp, August 2nd through 4th. High school camp, July 27th through 30th. You can register online at mcdowell.church/ events and uh, if you have questions you can email chip at mcdowell.church but they're still planning on having those camps coming up here in a few weeks and then uh, thank you so much for your continued generosity and and faithfulness and giving in this season um, it is so uh, amazing to us how you as a community have continued to support and encourage us to live out liturgy uh, this week in community and the Version Bible app. And, and giving is one of those things that as we practice giving uh, to the Lord, you know, we, we are shaped uh, through those, those opportunities. And so, um, again, we're just so grateful for you and for you tun- tuning in uh, this morning. Like I said, we've been in this series called Life as Liturgy. We're taking an old churchy word, liturgy, and we're trying to refurbish it and reframe it a little bit so that uh, you can start using it and making it popular again. People are like, what, what is that? I'm just practicing a life of liturgy. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's about orienting all of my life, all of my heart, all of my soul, around practices and rhythms that lead me to Jesus. And uh, we're going to talk about that today, as John said, about Thanksgiving uh, as, as one of the things that we're, we're talking about. But I, uh, I was flipping through Disney Plus the other day, like you do in a pandemic, and I came across something. Have you ever had something where you see it and then like all of these memories come flooding in and, and you remember all these people and places? And I had that experience the other day on Disney Plus when I saw something called Schoolhouse Rock. Now, Schoolhouse Rock. These were educational videos that were um, that were created to help kids learn um, about concepts that um, would be catchy tunes and catchy songs. Now, a few of them were Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Maybe maybe this you've never heard of this. I don't know, but um, this this is something that like man from my childhood. I was taken back, and I remember these songs. I'm just a bill, I'm just a regular bill, sitting here on Capitol Hill. Some of these songs that like are so corny, but they stick with us. And I remember Mrs. Zermoyan's class in seventh grade, she taught us a song on the preamble of the Constitution. And I was thinking about that this weekend, that I still have that song committed to memory, We the People, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. I won't bore you with the rest of the song, but the point being that when I uh, learned that song, it became such a part of, of my life, of my brain life, that when the exam came, when the test came, I aced it because I knew that song. And at the time, it was like, why are we doing this? You know, this is, I don't wanna learn this goofy song, but, but it worked. And I think that's what life as liturgy is about. Sometimes we're like, man, is, this is corny. Like, why do we need to do this? And why do we need to uh, have these practices and rhythms that, that we walk through and work toward? And then they become, in the time of testing, the words of our heart, the words of our spirit. And that's kind of what scripture memory does too, when we memorize scripture in these sayings. And Paul has a couple of these sayings. It is for freedom that we were set free. That's a popular one around July 4th. That came from Paul, from scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh man, every wedding, you know, quotes that. I and mean, it's just such a powerful verse. How about this one? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind. That's the verse we've been focusing and set up this series. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. And then this one. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this was one of the first verses I learned, uh, partly because that 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 was so easy because Thessalonians, that's not a word that you come across every day. So it was easy to remember that. And the verse is only two words, rejoice always. Like I got it. And then the second verse was easy to memorize too. Pray continually. Well, that sounds pretty churchy. I can do that. I can pray continually and I can remember that. But the third part of this, where the real heart of this passage is, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not God's suggestion for you or God's hope for you or God's best case scenario. It's God's will. God wants so much for our lives to be lives of giving thanks, of joy, of prayer. And, and it sounds good, but is it true? Can, can that really happen? Can you really give thanks in all circumstances? Can you really find joy in the midst of anything? I mean, God, like, have you seen what we're going through in the season? Have you seen what COVID-19 has caused for my life and for us collectively? Like, have you seen the people that I've known that have gotten sick or lost jobs? Like, God, have you seen the racial tension that exists in our world? God, have you seen the political tension that exists in our world? And in the midst of this, you want me to give thanks? You want me to find joy? I, I don't know about you, but this season, 2020, has felt a little bit like a test. And that's why th- this series has been so good for my heart is we're reorienting our lives around rhythms of grace, that when we're in times of tension, we can experience the goodness of God. We can experience Christ. We come to the feet of Christ. I was reading a story about an incredible woman of God the other day, and uh, I, I had never heard this story before, and, and maybe you have, um, but it was a story about a woman and her sister and her family. And and she had started a watch shop or a clock shop in the Netherlands in the 1930s. And um, inside of this watch shop, she had a secret closet where her and her sister and her family helped provide harbor for Jews that were escaping Nazi Germany and the Nazi regime. And they would... Hide them in this closet, and um, and they estimate that Corey Tinboom and Betsy Tinboom and her family helped over eight hundred Jewish people escape from the Nazi regime. And Corey Tinboom and Betsy Tinboom and her father actually ended up; they were ousted by somebody close to them, and they ended up in a concentration camp. And Corey Ten Boom wrote, wrote a book called The Hiding Place, where she details her experiences. And her and her sister were pretty close. They ended up in a concentration camp called Ravensbrück, which ended up being one of the largest concentration camps uh, during World War II. And her and her sister remained so steadfast, so joyful, they snuck a Bible into the camp with them, with knowing that at any moment, if they got caught with the Word of God, that they could be severely disciplined for that. But Betsy and Corey ended up in um, a barrack that was close quarters. And I mean, women just packed into these quarters and they still were remaining so hopeful until Betsy noticed that there was fleas. It was infested with fleas. I can't even imagine the circumstances that they were Enduring Betsy and Corey together. But Betsy pulled out her Bible and she meditated on this verse from First Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And a couple days later, Betsy told Cory, and Cory remembers this, she said, I have experienced joy in the midst of these fleas. And, uh, and Corey set, talks about how they even began to thank God for the fleas and the barracks and the concentration camp. I mean, can you even imagine? I'm so quick to complain about the circumstances of my life. But these women started rejoicing because they were able to pray in public without the guards coming in. The guards wouldn't come into the barracks because of the infested fleas. They were able to encourage one another and pray for each other and pray out loud and lead people to Jesus because of the fleas. And sometimes the worst circumstances of our life can become the greatest opportunities for us to experience God's goodness and his grace. And what a great word that is. Paul, actually, ha- here's a quick uh, quote from Cory ten Boom that I love. I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And Paul echoed this in uh, a letter to the Corinthian church, which he loved the Corinthian church, and he visited uh, multiple times. And we have a couple of the letters to the Corinthians. In Second Corinthians six, Paul is talking about all the things that he has endured, the hardships and the circumstances that he has faced. And he he talks about this in detail in other places, but here he kind of walks through some of the things that he's endured. In great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and in hunger. I mean, he lived lived this. He experienced this. And for us, like, oh man, our troubles, our hardships are nothing like what Paul experienced or what Cory ten Boom experienced. But then he goes on and says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I'm being so genuine, and yet I feel like I'm being treated Like, I'm somebody else. He says known and yet regarded as unknown. Like, these are my friends. These are my family. And yet I'm being treated like I'm unknown. Dying and yet we live on. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. And then here it is. My favorite line in this passage. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. We've seen people and experienced people that seem to have everything, but seem to not possess any of it. That life has become an accumulation of things and possessions. And Paul is saying, no, 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 it's the opposite. It's when you look at a sunset with your kids and you don't own the sun, you don't own the landscape, but somehow in that moment you possess it. You possess the beauty of creation. It's those moments when um, you experience the fullness of Christ with people in community, with your friends and family, in prayer, in practicing rhythms of grace. Like, I don't own anything, and yet I feel so much richness in my life. That is gratitude. That is gratefulness. That is thanksgiving. It's about experiencing all of life as a gift, even breath itself. itself, and, and it's about repositioning my life as the center into God's life as the center story in which I get to participate in. Because you see, the opposite of gratefulness is not ungratefulness. It's actually selfishness. It's that I get whatever I deserve. It's that Everything that good comes to me, I've earned it. And everything that bad comes to me, well, I I guess I expected that. No, there's no grace in that. It's about putting God at the center and saying, everything, all of life is a gift because of the goodness of God. And when we can put ourselves in a position where we can see this incredible, relational, loving God bringing goodness into our world, then we can experience gratefulness and so how do, how do we do this? I, I, I think that this, this verse, and some, some of you may just w- this week want to memorize it. You know, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. I think that's a template for us for how to experience it. Uh, but let's start backwards. Let's start with giving thanks. And Paul says this in Ephesians five nineteen and 20. He says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks to God for everything. I mean, always giving thanks to God for everything. These, these platitudes that we, we talk about, like it's real, it works when we give thanks when we can submit uh, all of our life and see it all as a gift to our Lord. There's a growing study in psychology and it's the science of gratitude. And there are two doctors, Dr. Emmons and Dr. McCullough, who have written a a book called Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And in there, they detail uh, these experiments that they did, these tests that they did around Thanksgiving and around gratitude. And uh, through these tests, they recognize that those who practice Thanksgiving for as little as 21 days, for as little as three weeks, Those who practice Thanksgiving exercised more regularly. Hmm, that's interesting. They reported fewer physical ailments. They felt better. They were more optimistic about their life and especially about the upcoming week. They were more likely to be productive and make progress toward their goals. They developed a stronger immune system. They experienced less loneliness and isolation and they had more energy. I mean, come on, like, Who doesn't want to experience those things? More energy, a higher immune system in this season? Like, who doesn't want to have uh, a community and, and less isolation and loneliness? I mean, that's what we need in this season. And that comes from practicing gratitude. It's not just toxic positivity. That's something my wife says. Toxic positivity, which is like everything will just work out. You know, everything will be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Like, no, that's not true joy. Toxic positivity is when, is when even in the midst of your friends and family, like, you just skirt over everything that's going on. And that's not what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is about seeking out gratitude and practicing Thanksgiving. It's about in the midst of the circumstances, going through those circumstances, finding joy and moments to celebrate. Tim Keller, a pastor, says this, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, but thanksgiving is what you do. There's a difference between letting gratitude just kind of sit inside of you and saying, oh, I'm a grateful person. I'm grateful for what I have and actually practicing thanksgiving. And according to the experts, there's a certain way that you practice Thanksgiving. So here it is. Number one, keep a gratitude journal. Again, this is something that sounds corny, but I promise you there are benefits to this. The studies have proven there are benefits to this. This is a liturgy. This is why we have these journals, so that you can practice gratitude. And every day, write down some things that you are grateful for. I've been practicing this knowing in anticipation that I was going to be talking about reflection and thanksgiving today. And, uh, and, and, and it has been so beneficial for me reframing my heart and my mind around gratitude and thanksgiving for Jesus. Number two, come to your senses. And that's not, that's not hey, come to your senses. It's, it's think about what you're seeing, what you're smelling your feet on the ground, what you touch, uh, the taste of the food. Use visual reminders like pictures of people or if you're on a walk and you experience an incredible sunset, like grab a rock or something to remember it uh, when you're reflecting on it later that day. And then number four, to think outside the box beyond just the normal, you know, thank you for my house and for a soft pillow. But how do you actually Get creative in what you're thinking about, the people who have given uh, so much for you, the people who are supporting you and encouraging you. And I believe that there's nothing that can change our immediate circumstances like reorienting our mindset to a posture of gratitude and thanksgiving, especially in Christ, when we can learn to see the world through a lens of God's generosity and love, and grace for us. And then to actually practice writing it down daily. Those are the things that will help us build a liturgy of thanksgiving in our life. So that's my challenge to you. Uh, for the next three weeks, every day write three things down that you are thankful for. It's a three for three challenge, three by three. Uh, we weren't able to do the three-on-three three tournament in March because of COVID-19, so here's our opportunity to do a three-on-three. Three. Uh, three things that you're thankful for, for three weeks, as little as 21 days, experts say that you will experience some of the benefits of practicing gratitude in your life. And, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to this the next uh, three weeks, writing things down, three things. Go more if you can. But putting Thanksgiving to paper, writing it down, or they say even writing a letter of thanks. You don't even have to give it to somebody, but it's, it's the seeking out gratitude that makes a difference. It's not always finding it. It's seeking for it, looking for it. That's what makes a difference in our heart. But Thanksgiving leads us somewhere and i believe it leads us to prayer to communion with god when we are searching for god looking for him in the midst of our circumstances i believe that we are led to pray notice we didn't just celebrate july 4th this week we also celebrated halfway through 2020 can you believe that halfway through 2020 has it only been half of a year I mean, it feels like it's just gone on forever. But we're halfway. And one of the first messages we as McDowell talked about this year in 2020 was start with prayer. Oh, how timely that was in preparation for what we were going to experience. How are you doing starting with prayer? How are you doing every morning slipping out of bed to your knees and starting your day with focused prayer to God. I love this. Pete Grigg of the 24-7 prayer movement and IHOP prayer, he talks about the best advice he's ever received on prayer is keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Jesus actually warns against lengthy, in-depth prayers. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep honest prayer. And those are the gratitude, the things that we're searching out for, like, God, I am so grateful for this today. And and when we begin to do that and we can keep it up, we have an incredible relational uh, reservoir in God that he is going to to meet us in our prayer. Corey ten Boom said that she actually, not just a person of joy, but a person of prayer, a person whose life was marked by prayer, She said, If a care is too small to be turned into a prayer, it is too small to be made into a burden. Don't carry these burdens with you without ever turning them to God. Take these simple things that we're experiencing each and every day, these circumstances, search for thanksgiving and pray to God. So my encouragement to you is, is start each day with prayer, And start each prayer with thanks. Start each day with prayer. Start each prayer with thanks. And that can become a liturgy, a way that we as people can become living sacrifices each and every day. And maybe you just need to set a reminder in your phone. Just, hey, just say a simple prayer. Morning, noon, night, whatever uh, works for you. But to remember to start with prayer and to start each prayer. With thanks, And I believe the fruit of that, thanksgiving and prayer, is joy. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. Again, this sounds similar to God's will for you. So it's the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. This is God's for will, will for you. In Christ Jesus, I believe that's the entire uh, power of, of the first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's the power exists in Jesus. The power exists in the joy that we have in the presence of Jesus. When we come to him daily, when we end our day reflecting on our day and s- searching for where he showed up in our lives, when we communicate with him in prayer, we'll begin to experience joy in his presence. We don't rejoice for the trouble. We rejoice in the midst of or through the troubles and the circumstances because we know the truth that we have a loving father who wants to be with us, who always is with us. And sometimes it's just thinking about, surely God was in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. Taking these ordinary moments and seeing them as opportunities for gratitude and for grace. So, when we think about joy, we should think about Jesus. It says this in Hebrews 12, For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. The joy set before him, before Jesus, was you and me. We are God's joy. God allowed his son to experience grave suffering, the worst of all circumstances, for the joy that was set before him which was you and me. And when we think about our lives and the circumstances of our lives and the challenges of our lives and the season, this long season of 2020 and beyond, however long it is, we should find joy in Christ. He found joy in us. And Jesus, on the night that he uh, was betrayed and started that path toward the cross, He took bread and and took wine and he broke the bread and gave thanks. He had a posture of gratitude that led to joy in the midst of his darkest moment, his most challenging moment. And we too, when we face challenging moments, every time we eat, every time we drink, when we wake up, when we go to sleep, we start our day when we end our day. Let's break that ceremonial bread. Let's give thanks to God in prayer in relationship with him. And let's experience the joy that we have in Christ. So Father God, today may we rejoice. May we pray in be in communion, and relationship with you, and may we give you thanks. This is your will for us in Christ Jesus that um, we could experience the fullness of life in you. And we are grateful, Father, for your uh, enduring love and grace and promises in the midst of any circumstance or any challenge we can face. We love you. Father, and today may uh, your words become a liturgy for our souls. Amen.